Welcome to Technado. Welcome to Technado. I'm your host, Sophie Goodwin. Looking forward to getting into some news this week. Unfortunately, we will not be talking about the Barbenheimer uh, thing that is happening this week. As you can tell, I'm dressed for it. But we're not going to talk about that, unfortunately. Trust me, I tried. We are going to talk about some, uh, we've got a new segment that we're going to be introducing. Well, I don't know why you're laughing. This is a very serious topic for me. You're just going to leave people hanging there. People don't know what the Barbenheimer complex is. Okay, so Don wants me to talk about the Barbenheimer. Okay, so Barbie and Oppenheimer are being released on the same day this week. I believe tomorrow as of the day this episode's released. So lots of people are going to go see both and make a whole day out of it. So everybody that worked on those movies is laughing to the bank. But anyway, so that's what's going on this week. It's Barbenheimer. It's a very big deal. If you've been online at all, you, you probably know what I'm talking about. But there you go. Now you know if you didn't. And, uh, you know, Don, I'll, I'll just let you take it from there because all right. I'm done. Well, I, I'm glad to be here with uh, hard-hitting news and journalistic integrity as we report on the Barbenheimer complex. Uh, I'm learning as much as you guys are, as I don't intend to see either one of these films. <laughs> Barbenheimer t- complex sounds like a psychological disorder. Like, I have a Barbenheimer complex. What, what did you say? Was it complex or something else? I think I started to say complex, and then I realized I didn't have another word, so I just gave up. I will be seeing, hopefully, at least Oppenheimer, if not also the Barbie movie. I'm, I'm very excited. Don, like you said, is not going to see either. <laughs> Daniel, are you going to see either of these movies? Yeah, I want to see uh, Oppenheimer. I think that looks like an interesting film. And that's the kind of history that I'm interested in. So, Do you think he'll say the iconic quote, the I am become death? If he does films? not, then I will like rage quit the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Throw your popcorn. Yeah, I will, storm, I will storm set my Barbie. row on fire and leave. <laughs> You'll leave that theater and go into the Barbie one. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll be like, I have become death as I walk out of the theater. That is all a joke, by the way, people. That's that's not really going to happen. Well, I said we weren't going to talk about it, but we just did. So I, I got my way anyway. It's important. Yeah. But we'll, we'll move into what you actually came here for. We're going to be talking about some Linux news, some Microsoft news. We've got a lot going on this week. So we'll go ahead and start with some stuff going on in Linux land. This article comes to us from Slashdot. It says, Alma Linux no longer aims for one-to-one compatibility with RHEL. So it did say that this is going to mean pretty little change for regular users, for a typical user. So who is going to be affected by this? Uh, so there's a lot of spin being put on this. And that's why I wanted to talk about it today. Because we previously reported on how uh, Red Hat is kind of pulling the rug out from under some people and switching it so that their source code is no longer being published to non-paying people. And people who do pay for it are no longer allowed to distribute it. And that has put the third parties that recompile Red Hat's code into a bit of a conundrum. So last week we talked about Oracle Linux, uh, Alma Linux, and Rocky Linux, the three biggest providers out there of RHEL clones. And what they're going to do, and, and all those providers were scrambling to figure out how they were going to deal with this. Oracle said they were going to do a fork, which means anything after that point, we're counting on Oracle to to fix and keep up. So it's not really the same anymore. And now we get our first uh, victim casualty. That's <laughs> our, our first casualty from this, which is Alma Linux. Now, if you're not familiar with Alma Linux, we've talked about it on the show before. They came up after CentOS switched to CentOS Stream. Alma Linux stepped up and said, look, we, we've got funding. We're going to step in and take the place of CentOS. Well, that's only been two or three years. I forget exactly how long. And now they've had to make the announcement that they are no longer aiming for one-to-one compatibility with RHEL, which means while they are still technically a RHEL clone, they're not actually a clone anymore. They're a near uh, they're a fork approximation. Right. Um, well, it could be yeah, it work, right? Yeah. Because it's and then, based off of it. Probably shares some code base, but ultimately is its own thing. Yes. And so, you know, if if you as a user or as an IT worker out there are looking for a RHEL clone, Alma Linux will no longer be suited. It's suitable today, but as time goes on, it will be less and less suitable as a RHEL clone. So if that's what you actually need, now's the time to start planning to move away. It's, it's, it's like sad the, to see It's like the Back to the Future timeline, right? <laughs> as they went back, you know, Back to the Future 2, I guess. As they went back... And then the timeline changed because they stole the the, <laughs> the almanac, right? The sports almanac. Yep. They went back to a different 1985. That's Alma now. Biff runs the show. <laughs> <laughs> or would you say Rel is Biff's? I, 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 I think Rel is like Rel Biff, is definitely. Biff. Yeah. yeah, it's and, Biff 85. And Alma is kind of flashing in and out of existence as it plays the guitar. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's it's phasing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it's sad to see it. Uh, I 
I think I said this last week. Like I understand what Red Hat and IBM are trying to do, which is make money. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I get that. But uh, but I think that the day of having rel clones is coming to an end. Nothing like making some money off of the you know by alienating your user base. That's it. Now they seems are to be a popular way to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they are still promising that they'll have application binary interface or ABI compatibility, which means a binary compiled for Red Hat or RHEL should run under Alma Linux. But we don't know how much longer things like RPMs will install without modification. Like there's there's a lot more than just binary compatibility to make this stuff work. Snaps on Alma coming to a theater near you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Don is angry. It's a it's a frustrating time because uh, you know Red Hat is doing stuff to kind of mess with that system. If you if you don't pay, if you pay, Red Hat's the same as it always is, yeah. right? Uh, Ubuntu Canonical is doing stuff on their side to mess with that system. It's getting to where it's hard to find. A, a Linux distro outside of like Debian where they're not messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> you're either just like, we're just trying to make some Linux up in here. Yeah. Come on. Do you think you'll, because I know you're you're a, a Linux guy, do you think you'll stick with Linux even if stuff like this continues? Uh, you know, as, as long as there is some viable path for me, as long as there is a distro that I can run that doesn't force me into snaps and flat pack, right? Because yeah. that's, that's a, a non-starter uh, and supports containerization and scalability. As long as there's one of those, then I'll have it. Because it, if I want to flip to a paid environment where I don't have scalability, then you might as well be using Windows Server at might that as well. point. Yep. Yep. Literally so true. What about Arch, man? Is Arch on the table for Don Pizet? No. So <laughs> Talk Arch, about like getting messed with. Arch feels like a distro that is meant to mess with you. So Arch and Gen 2 both, um, they're, they're like the opposite side of the spectrum. Right. Where they give you so much control that if you want to experiment and you really want to bend Linux to your will, they're the best distros oh, yeah. for it. But when I do something and I'm paid to support it and I need to make sure it's running tomorrow and if something goes wrong, I need to fix it as fast as possible. Arch and Gen 2 ain't the first nope. thing off the top of your head. Yeah. <laughs> Not even in the top 10. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm still trying to break down in my head the comparison to from this to, to Back to the Future. <laughs> it may come as a shock to you. You've never seen it, have you? I have not seen Back to the Future. You are dead to me. Well, that's not new. <laughs> that's not new information. Like, how is this not like required viewing in school? I, you know, but I can you call name, yourself a journalist. I can yeah. name yeah, I mean, the two oceans that border the United States. So I mean, you, yeah. can you really? Yeah, the specific ocean. <laughs> <laughs> it's the left ocean and the right ocean. Yeah, Duh. Yeah. What else? Yeah, depending on which way you're facing. Yeah. <laughs> the cold one and the warm one. But it's it's on the list right behind all the Terminator and Predator movies. It's it's up there. But yeah, I was trying How to mentally you not just like every free moment of your time watching films. You should watch you know, a movie because I don't want to. I don't. I don't. That's not like a part of the equation. Normally, with Daniel and I's suggestions, though, they're like '80s action films, and you could probably be excused for having not seen them. But Back to the Future is kind of a like Americana. Yeah, it's like not knowing what McDonald's yeah. is. Yeah. I, I will say it's, there have been several times where people have been like, "You've never seen it. You need to watch it." And I'm like, yeah. "I know," and then I don't. And it won't change your life. No, but it's, it's you know, it's funny. I actually watched Back to the Future this week. I was like, you know, I haven't watched it. In, I haven't seen it in like 10 years. That's right? why it's in your head now? So I was like, yeah, let me, let me watch old BTF, right? And uh, that'll be fun. And um, I thought to myself, you know, when they made this movie, I bet they were all just like, man, we're gonna, this is going to be a fun movie. There's time travel. There's cool technology. It was the 80s, you know, and technology was still a bit of a, like a, like voodoo to most people. And it, so it was really cool. And you had this idea of, you know, teenage pop culture and going back to the 50s and seeing where teenage pop culture originated and then interacting with your parents when they were teenagers. And would they would you be friends with your parents as teenagers if you were, you know, the whole idea? It was just so much fun. I bet that I'm, I'm thinking they never in their wildest imagination, Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis weren't like, this is going to be massive. And it just ended up being that it ended up being that. That thing that like Americans typically go, man, that, that was like a iconic thing to me. Mm. When I watched that movie for the first time, it was something that impacted me and made me want to get into technology or play music or history or whatever. And yeah. so you're saying you'd rather watch that than like Creed 7? <laughs> <laughs> Are they still cranking out that soil? <laughs> well... So we don't, we don't want to deviate too far into the uh, the sad state of Hollywood. <laughs> I feel like I don't even need to watch the movie now. You've described it's technology it pop culture, yeah. though. You know, it's like how it all comes together. Yeah. And, You're right. Yeah, it's looking at here, it's yeah. like a modern classic now, so yeah. I, I do need to watch it. But yeah, so that was a fun comparison you made that I didn't understand at all. So yeah. appreciate that. Thank you for that. Stop comment. making me have to rant, okay? 
Watch the movies. I'll do my. That's probably not going to change, but I'll do my best. You'll find something else to rant about. <laughs> I will. So moving on, we'll get into some hardware news. This article comes to us from Tom's Hardware. Intel exits and UC business, or is that NUC? It's the NUC. NUC. It is actually NUC. Mm-hmm. Wow. Intel exits NUC business will rely on external partners. So there's a lot of NUC. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so they're gonna they're set to uh, exit the PC business. So it's just gonna be that they're gonna leave it to their partners to kind of continue that. Yeah, and and by leave it to their partners, what they mean is completely abandon the line. Uh, <laughs> so if you're if you're not familiar with Intel's NUCs, they are are very small computers. They measure I don't have the exact measurements, but they actually we have one laying around here somewhere. They're like <laughs> six and inches and by six inches. inches. Yeah, they're not big, and maybe three are or four inches six tall. Six inches, yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, and uh, don't make me try and convert this to metric either. But uh, uh, they're small. That's the point. And approximately four usually, by four inches. What's that? Four by four inches, does that sound right? Yeah, it's like a square. That's what yeah. Google says. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. So very small computers. And normally when you get a small computer like that, it's got some crappy ARM processor in it or <laughs> so, you know, like whatever. It runs Android and, you know, it runs as slow as a dog. Um, oh, there's fast dogs. That's a dumb saying. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> pretty fast, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's normally what you get with a small form factor computer. Well, Intel changed that about a decade ago when they introduced the NUC. Very small computer with standard desktop processors in it. You could get them with i5s, i7s. They even made some slightly larger ones that had NVIDIA graphic cards in them and like gaming NUCs. Like, That's mean, crazy. It, and they, they weren't cheap. It wasn't like buying a Raspberry Pi for 50 bucks. A NUC would cost you, I think, $500 for like a base one, and they would go up from there. So they were regular computer prices, but in a very, very small form factor. It was neat. And I've encountered count- countless cases of where resellers have leveraged these for like Zoom meeting conference managers in a conference room and, and other stuff because you could stick them on the back of a TV. I think we've done that here. Uh, we've done that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but there's a, a number of different places where they get used. And I've never bought one myself because economically, like when I needed a small form factor computer, I usually didn't need a lot of CPU power. And so right. there were cheaper alternatives. Well, apparently that's what the world thought too. Because they just never really made a big revenue difference. And so Intel has sadly ended the line. So if you're a big fan of Intel Nux, well, this generation is the last generation. And Intel is not like copyrighted, trademarked, and all that stuff, the design. So third parties can pick this up and run with it. And Asus, I think, is is the number one company that does this. But, you know, don't expect it to stick around the same way that it did under Intel. Mm, That's interesting. I'll be uh, interested in seeing how the market shifts once they stop doing this and these things stop getting produced, whether or not they either go down in price or go up in price due to, you know, who knows what, you know how it is out there. Like, you never know when people are like, oh, remember Nux? And all of a sudden they become wicked popular and you can't get one and they're $7,000 per. Or they'll be like, hey, remember Nux? Like, yeah, yeah I bet I could pick one up and have like a cluster. <laughs> I don't know that they've got that. That level, like, you know, when people go and, and get the old Cobalt servers or yeah. the old Sun Microsystem servers, they remember those. Like, right. oh, I got a Spark Station. It's pretty yeah. cool. I don't know that they'll be remembered that way. Although the gaming ones, if you've ever seen one, they look yeah. really cool. They have skull on them and all that. Oh, really? That's it. Oh, yeah, they cool. kind of, yeah. yeah, they look cool. If you're into that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some people are. <laughs> Nux, the, the only computer, the small form factor computer for Satanists everywhere. <laughs> Don's pulling up an image. I'll have to see if I can find a picture. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't necessarily satanic. It was just a cool skull. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah it is kind of bitching. It's kind of neat. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know that people look back at it as nostalgia, but it was a terribly useful thing if you needed like a Swiss Army knife. You needed yeah. you needed a, a machine that had some power so that something you could like stick a under a cabinet. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Well, too bad they're uh, getting rid of it, too. They, they probably should have just pivoted into some sort of... It's a style of marketing. It's called good. You know, and they'd, if they would have marketed maybe a little bit better yeah. and actually found that niche and then produced comparable to that niche and that market, maybe they wouldn't have been so, uh, putting it in the fire right now. Sadly, there is a trend in product design right now yeah. uh, where if you cannot make it do chat GPT, uh, if it can't do AI or machine learning or possibly VR, throw in the trash. It's worthless. Oh, gotcha. Interesting. <laughs> So we've come a long way as a society, Don. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's sad. That's, that's interesting. I mean, like it's kind of funny, but also, wow, how how far we've come. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it it looks like um, it, there was like some change in leaderships. So they've got a new CEO, and they've pulled out of several other ventures as well since that happened. Yeah, they've tried a few things, like the Intel Arc video cards. They they, they said, hey, we're going to jump in and we're going to compete with. 
NVIDIA. We're going to compete with AMD and, and make high-end video cards. And they made these video cards that were pretty darn mediocre. And they were like, wow, this is harder than we thought. <laughs> So you're saying they're cheap? <laughs> they aren't cheap though. That's the that's the what? sad part. Yeah, like because they got to sink sink uh, R and D cost into it and all. Uh. Like, Nvidia and uh, ATI, right? And right. AMD. Yeah, yeah. They've been doing it for decades. Right. So they're all tooled up. So if you want to jump in today, that's a pretty big hurdle to jump across. That's what Russia's going through right now because of all the embargoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that they're having to create their own chips and. Takes a lot of effort to do that. Eventually, they they will be able to overcome that, but I mean, not it sounds today. Sounds easy, Don. Why is it so hard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at, at what point do you go? I mean, this sounds easy. We can do this. You you ever see uh, any episode of Star Trek? Right, Prime Directive. Yeah. So the the futuristic Federation comes yeah. to a planet that's primitive, and they don't want to like yeah. mess with that society. But the reality is, if you gave them the blueprints for a nuclear reactor, right. They couldn't do anything with it. Right, because right? they, they would have to still source all the materials and then build the, the processes to create the thing and right. understand the technology even. They they might, depending on where they are, and uh, you know, at least societal evolution. Yep. So it, it's really hard to launch new hardware projects. And you know, I'm going to go full circle on this and tie it back to Linux distros <laughs> because all we see now, I'm going to tie this all the way back to Hollywood and the reason that we only <laughs> see reboots and crap today, see, right? You thought that I just had some <laughs> random aside. I'm just giving fodder to the machine. Done. So the the reason that Creed Part Seven is coming out tomorrow is it's way easier to come up with that than it is Back to the Future, right? You know, right. A, a truly original script. Same thing with video cards. Same thing with Linux distros. It's hard to come up with something new and then keep it going for decades on end. That's really hard, mm. and that's what we're seeing. The market is we're in an economic downturn. This podcast is going off the rails, but it's um, a great podcast <laughs> right now. Like I'm in, enjoying it. <laughs> we're in an economic downturn. It's now people have to take a real hard look and say, "Hey, you know what? The metaverse? That's stupid." Yeah. And <laughs> we could dump more money into it like we've been doing or we could realize, "Wait a minute. This was a bad idea from day one, but people are afraid so of Mark Zuckerberg." So what do we do? We <laughs> dump more money into it. <laughs> right? so, but I think I mentioned yeah. this before we started the podcast. If it is stupid, that is what we will do. <laughs> we are yeast in a bucket farting ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I definitely have a healthy fear of Mark Zuckerberg, so I don't As know that should. I can really blame people. I heard he blinks like this. <laughs> <laughs> One eye at a time, too, yeah, yeah. under his heat lamp. He, I'm sorry. He's, he's I, taking a breath. <laughs> I, should, <laughs> I should be careful. I'm going to disappear next week. Yeah, yeah. Is there a creature so, that she, breathes she died. <laughs> she hears Sophia died tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so speaking of you guys are talking about like how it's much easier to just continue a franchise rather than create something new and that trend kind of shows itself in technology as well it's a lot easier to just build off something that's already there yeah but speaking of switching to things that are new you saw how i it was a horrible transition (laughs) speaking of switching to things that are new uh this article comes to us from bleeping computer microsoft is rebranding azure active directory to microsoft entra id so from what i understand there's a couple of new uh, services or products that they're introducing that have to do with entra id so i would guess that's why they're introducing this name change because the function of azure ad is not going to change right yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this is a great case, and I've I've said this before. Like, um, if if they would just when they had an idea, when when their marketing team or somebody had an idea to to change a name or a brand or whatever, if they would just step out of the building and ask a random person on the sidewalk for an honest answer, they could save themselves a ton of money and effort. Uh, and in this case, Azure Which, AD. What's the stupid thing to do? Uh, spend tens of millions of dollars on focus groups and uh, science the well, shit out of it. At least to know. Well, at least we can predict what, we can, what we're going to do. <laughs> so, uh, so what did Microsoft do again? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, focus groups. <laughs> so they've, uh, they've decided that Azure AD does more than Active Directory. What they really decided is that Active Directory is a term that is tied to 20-year-old technology, Right. Active Directory came out in the year 2000. People don't hear Active Directory and think cutting edge excitement. Hold on. <laughs> Let's just stop for a second, right? Who uses Active Directory? Like, who is the people that would, like, understand Active Directory and, like, be utilizing this technology? So, literally anybody who supports IT in any business or... Right. So, when we say when I say Active Directory, anybody would be like, oh, yeah, I understand what you're talking about. That technology is very... Um, uh, it, it permeates all of IT 
And if you go and changing that, now I've got to go, all right, brain, get ready to shift some huge gears here. <laughs> I don't mean Active Directory. What I mean is because it's it's almost a part of the the ether of IT at this point in time. Sure. You start trying to change that monolith, that's going to be a tough shift to turn around, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, they are renaming it. Oh, so Azure so. AD is rebranding to Entra ID. and. Dumb. Uh, and if you're wondering where Entra comes from, I think I've, I've got a good theory. We'll see if this works out. Uh, Entropy? I'm, I'm pretty certain that it's short for entrails. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the Azure AD was the entrails for any good solution. I'm, I'm almost positive this is right. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and, I mean, you quote me on it. I'm, <laughs> I'm like certain yeah. to a degree <laughs> that is a non-zero sum <laughs> a non-zero sum uh that it's entrails so uh so <laughs> this is a new one i wish i could make this stuff up I, I, know, I know so uh yeah azure ad is so critical to a lot of organizations but identity services are really important you've got companies like okta and we talked about jump cloud last week those guys are having a, a bit of a <laughs> poster fire right now but but uh, uh those companies specialize in identity services well, Azure AD has been doing identity services for a long time as just regular Active Directory and then moved into the cloud. So they want to have a catchy name. They chose Entra ID. And by the end of this year, so by the end of 2023, the in case you don't know what year it is, the uh, the Azure AD name will be retired and Entra, AD, Entra ID will have replaced it everywhere. I say that we just do a ground, like a grassroots movement where we refuse <laughs> to use Entra ID as the terminology within like media, uh, written and spoken, right? A whole nine yards. We just like, you know, Azure AD. I mean, they call it something else now, but it's Azure AD. <laughs> Artist formerly known right. as Azure AD. Right. <laughs> that's, that's basically, yeah, what, what'll happen? It'll be like, well, now they're calling it this, but this is basically what I mean. Yeah. That's what people are right. going to know it by. Yeah. It, I know that they're launching what is Entra Internet Access and Entra Private Access. So these are new services that they're launching. That's fine. If it's a new service, give it a name, right. whatever. Give it a name. But why change what's already there to match the new stuff that you're introducing? It, just just leave it the way that it is. Because You're looking at me like I'm crazy. It has to be <laughs> catchy and cutting edge and hip. As well, a young person, a young I'm just person. so excited I for Microsoft Entra ID. Tell. This is just keeping me up at night. My my favorite part is they they mentioned how this transaction is going to happen seamlessly at no extra charge to the customer, and I find that hilarious because you just <laughs> changed in the name. Like, are you telling me there's some scenario <laughs> yeah. where I would have to pay for you to change the name? <laughs> Let me tell you what: if there was a way, they would do it. <laughs> Convenience. If they could pull that off, they'd be like, "Man, oh, we man. changed the name. What if we tell them they have to migrate?" Rate from Azure AD into Entry ID, and that that's a that's a fee. You know, it's a small fee, but I mean, ten bucks from every enterprise client that uses us for that is still better than no bucks. It costs them less than migrating to a whole new system. Right? So. Come on, man! I guarantee that this has been yeah. run up, and the lawyers were like, "Listen, we can't do that." <laughs> huh. Yeah. Well, um, on a on a serious note. Uh, I do think that this is signaling a change from Microsoft where in the beginning they were trying to be really clear about what was in the cloud. And so any of their services that were in the cloud, they would stick the Azure name on it. But that got really convoluted with Microsoft 365, which was in the cloud, but didn't have the Azure name stuck on it. Mm. And so now they're trying to fix that. And since almost everything they do is in the cloud, I think they're going to be phasing that Azure name out more and more over time. So it's just... Microsoft 365, Microsoft Entra ID, Microsoft this and that. Now, Don, this is more, way more your speed than mine, so I, I'm, I'm going to get your. I want your opinion on this. I have kind of seen a bit of what's the word like a a, a trend toward uh, enterprises going. You know, this whole everything in the cloud thing really hadn't worked out as well as we had hoped. And I'll, I've I've seen a lot of articles recently, probably within the last couple of months, where people are shifting a few things back toward on-prem. Is that is that just like a, a thin slice of what I'm seeing, and it's just I'm I'm getting a, a weird skewed perspective based off of just random articles I've come through? Well, or is that actually happening? There's a few factors that are involved, right? Um, one is that regulatory compliance is hard in the cloud. Yeah, and so sometimes it's just easier to bring your stuff back on prem. But uh, I think the other factor is a little more. There have been a couple of high visibility outages in the cloud, mm. and people are beginning to realize that. That old narrative of why run a data center yourself? Why not let Amazon do it? You know, where they hire the most talented people on the planet, or let Microsoft do it. Or similarly, you know, you've got some of 
literally, and I'm I'm not doing hyperbole. Right. This Some is the, this is really what the they, yeah. best people in the industry, the most talented people at running and building data centers work for those two companies, right? Mm. And some for Google. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> But you know, if you're a company like um, Rackspace, right. it, it totally makes sense for you to hire the best because you're supporting so many customers. And that was the old narrative was, hey, I can just trust them and get the best. Versus if I run it myself, I've got to hire local and hope for the best. But oftentimes sure. you're getting second, third string. Not <laughs> Not trying to be insulting, but right. you know that that's they just how don't it is. have the wage capabilities that a Microsoft or a Google has. That's right. Yeah, and and you know if you're cost constrained, you can't afford the best. You right. have to to step down and run into and and hope you can train people up. Like that's kind of what our day job is. We help to train people up. We want we want to turn you into the best. And this is going to turn into a commercial. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you know, with that in mind, though, with these visible cloud outages. People are saying, well, wait a minute. We can have our own outages. Yeah, we don't, we don't need, need to outsource help. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at least at least I can see what's going on with the outage, right? Like yep. th- there is something, I don't know, comforting about going, well, at least I know why it's down. And I know what the plan is to fix it. And I know about how long it's going to take. Whereas Amazon just goes, hey, we'll get it back up when it's up. Right. Well, yeah. at least with the on-prem stuff, you have some degree of control. But when yeah. it's up in the cloud, it's just like you're hoping that they right. do it in a timely manner. And add on to that, the cloud costs have been going up. So, you know, now there was a time where I might have said, you know what, this doesn't necessarily need to go in the cloud, but why not stick it there? Whatever, cost the same. And now somebody else worries about it. I'll I'll stick it in the cloud. Now people are looking at it and saying, how can I reduce that bill? Mm -hmm. And maybe I just take a few things out of the cloud, leave the rest up there, and now it cuts down on my cost. That, that That all factors into these decisions. Okay. Which is ironic because I would think that at least initially putting things in the cloud, it would have been cost effective to do that because you're not having to worry about running your own like on prem stuff. Yeah. you know, there's there's things where you save and things where you don't, right? And, and so the the cost of having a, a backup generator, the cost of having redundant ISPs, the cost of that stuff is pretty heavy. And you'd normally incur that. You put it in the cloud and that Cooling, goes away. yeah, climate control. It's yeah, all air conditioning. It, yeah. But then in the cloud, you pay for things like egress bandwidth. Mm. That you know, you might have a flat fee with your ISP locally, but then when you're in AWS, you pay for your egress. Any any data that exits your environment, you pay for, mm. and that's not something you're used to. And when you power a virtual machine down, you're still paying for the storage that's allocated. And th- there's all sorts of little things like that that start to 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 even it up. Now, I, I will still say that usually it's more cost effective to be in the cloud than on prem. If you know your hardware is not going to last that long, because you know yeah. hardware replacement, warranty, just general maintenance, but it's not always true. These are all factors you have to look at when you move stuff into the cloud. Well, we'll end the first half of Technado on that positive note. That was that was a good way to end it. Was uh, it too negative? <laughs> no. No, it, was, it was all right. It was, it was okay. More like a here's how it is. <laughs> just laying down the law. Just just telling it like it is. So we'll go ahead and end our tech news segment there. We will be back with more Technado in just a little bit. We're going to take a short break, but stay tuned for some security news. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome back for more Technado. We're going to be getting into some security news. I know we spent quite a bit of time talking about Microsoft in the last half, and we're not done talking about Microsoft, but we'll talk about some other things first. So we've got an article here from Tom's Hardware. Worm GPT might become hackers' new best imaginary friend, which is a little scary. Now, from what I read in this article, it's, it's basically a, a GPT-type service, right, that all of the illegal things you could possibly want to do, <laughs> you can do without ever leaving the comfort of your home. That, that's basically it, right? So a, a few months ago, when ChatGPT hit maximum news cycle <laughs> and it was everywhere, uh, we did actually talk about it. I know we don't normally do that, but we did. Uh, so we, we talked about it, and, and at the time, hackers were finding creative ways to do prompt engineering to get ChatGPT to generate malware, to help with phishing emails, and so on. Since then, the folks at OpenAI have been putting various filters in place to block that and stop it from being used for malicious purposes. Well... I knew it would happen eventually. I didn't think it would happen this fast, but the internet is fast. Uh, we now have what is basically an offshoot of OpenAI's ChatGPT, 
a completely separate service called Worm GPT that you can subscribe to. Uh, the cost is not not zero. It's uh, 60 euros per month or 550 euros per year. I think the euro and the dollar are about the same right now. Yeah, so close, yeah. um, not cheap. 60 bucks a month. That's well, uh, You definitely want to go for that yearly sub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it gives you not just a completely unfiltered large language model to be able to mess around with. It gives you one that's specifically trained on malware and social engineering. And the folks at Tom's, Tom's Hardware, one of the researchers they worked with, actually went through the process of generating malware and a full business email compromise campaign that would, once it was into a mailbox, be able to identify uh, ACH numbers and generate the, the forged emails to try and get somebody to pay a fake invoice. It, it's pretty impressive what it can do. It's it's so crazy to like think that when we started opening this Pandora's box that we did not see that that was going to be like not not just a well this might happen but this absolutely will occur like there is nothing that we haven't created in the last twenty years that we're not uh, like actively attempting to use toward nefarious ends in some way shape or form so it, like you said it, it was just a matter of time before this was a thing and. It's so funny. They, they talked about how even hackers love software as a service, it seems. It's like, yeah, they have for quite some time. It's not like the first rodeo of software as a service. There's plenty of like pay-to-play kind of um, hacking services that are out there. You can do denial of service attacks. You can get um, access to dashboards that run malware and C2 infrastructure and the whole nine yards. You can do anything you want. You can get copies of uh, the malware, do modifications as you wish, and then connect that into a third party's C2 infrastructure and have complete dashboard functionality. It's like, it's like going to any other business at this point. So the fact that we're seeing Worm GPT is no surprise. It shouldn't be any surprise anyway. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing to me here is a lot of these services that can be used for nefarious purposes, uh, they operate in, and we all look at them like, how is it possible that that's able to operate? It makes me think about some of the VPN services that are out there that are specifically designed to hide illicit activities. And they tell you, like, we don't log anything, and we won't we won't turn anything over to the government, and you'll never take us alive. And, <laughs> And then you find out six months later that the uh, the FBI had seized all their assets and operated the VPN for two months while they collected all the data, you know, and and so all that that uh, security the criminals thought they had was out the window. Well, think about something like Worm GPT, right? When when new malware is detected, we have to go through an attribution process and try to figure out who created it. And there's all sorts of little clues and hints and things that people look at as they reverse engineer malware to figure out where it came from. Well. They could save a step right here, and if they just seize Worm GPT's assets and look at everyone's prompt history, they could easily figure out who generated certain malware and build that paper trail. So I think at a first glance, this sounds like a really dangerous tool, but as you think about it, I'm like, I think this one will work itself out. Oh, yeah, it probably will. <clears throat> you know what? I just had the thought of, and of course, this is just, you know, uh, the beta version of this thought in my head because it literally just entered my skull, which is, <clears throat> I wonder if this could like, if AI could get classified much as like bioweapons in the fact that if we utilize them, if we are specifically creating it to function as a nefarious entity, could we say that in and of itself is illegal and therefore is regulated to, it's illegal. You will go to jail. If you create malicious software using AR, if you utilize AI to create malicious software, you have now engaged in an illegal activity and are sanctioned by the law because you're not allowed to go home and make ricin, right? You're not allowed to go home and make smallpox. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm just experimenting with it. No, <laughs> because of the potential fallout around something to that effect, you know, it, it, it's it's similar in, in, a, in a way. That's true. I mean, it, there, there's obviously a line there somewhere, yeah, but you, yeah, you can't say, analogous, but. I just wanted to have ricin on my shelf because right. it looks cool. You yeah. can't just say, oh, I just wanted malware that would completely, like, destroy people's lives and just to see steal, if I could all, do steal it. all their money just, just to see if I could do it. I wasn't going to release it. Yeah. You know, but if, if it did get released, such havoc would be created. Right? Is there a line you can draw in the legal sand? I think the challenge there is the challenge that pen testers yeah. and, and white hats have had for a long time. 
but you could say anything that they do is specifically for the betterment, right? We're not creating malware to hurt people. We're creating a, just a bypass security to see if it's possible and therefore create a security control that stops that specifically. Yeah. Whereas malware creators are quite the opposite, right? It is literally so that you never discover this and that I can do nothing but bad things. So if you were like a pen tester or a white hat using a tool like this to develop right. something just, just for the purposes of testing or for right. developing a security control, would you then have to get like explicit permission before using it and like let somebody yeah, know, maybe. hey, this is Maybe it's I'm like doing. creating a bio lab where, hey, we are going to experiment with these things. But I mean, the, the legal definition behind what, can, what is, constitutes a bioweapon is gain of function, is that you are trying to use gain of function to mutate something into a weapon are we not doing that with ai we're using gain like we have taken jazz gpt we've given it gain of function uh, uh, by removing yeah. the ethics behind it and specifically making it unethical all right, <laughs> right? this is an interesting conversation <laughs> let me run with the ethics because there, there was a funny comment on the article so if you're reading this on tom's hardware uh user hotaru 251 asked what i, I think is a serious question but in my head it got totally it warped funny. <laughs> he, he asked you know how long before we get ai protection as a service and he's thinking about add-on cards where you have an AI in your computer that's okay. specifically looking out for this type of stuff. Gotcha. But when I saw AI protection as a service, it, I immediately thought like extortion. Chat GPT saying, "Hey, it's uh, <laughs> a real nice website you got here. It'd be a shame, yeah, if something I, happened to it. <laughs> how about you pay me two hundred dollars a month, and I make sure nothing happens to your computer? Right, yeah, I mean it's a good deal right here. I mean, could get scratched. Yeah, could get uh, on fire. Yeah, could, could get on fire. It could get unalived real quick. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, maybe we're almost there. I think we might be on the on the precipice of something here, Don. <laughs> I think Futurama had robots right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd <laughs> be disappointed if we don't get, like, a cyborg Henry Hill. In yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice reference. Oh, man. man. <laughs> Thank you. It's the one, the that's one the one thing. category of movies that, I, I, that I'm solid on. a little more well-versed in okay. that I might understand what we'll you're talking We'll start trying to pull about. those out more often then. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Give me some time to watch, like, My Cousin Vinny and Back to the Future. <laughs> some of the ones that I haven't gotten to yet but so yeah what is this Raiders of the Lost Earth <laughs> thing I heard that's all right <laughs> well this is definitely a like you said concerning on its face but maybe maybe not right now as immediate of an issue as it appears but I'm sure this won't be the last system like this to, to hit the mainstream yeah I, I'd actually probably go a little different and say that it is an immediate issue but I think it's going to go away it'll resolve uh, itself kind of a thing right right and that's because like I mean We've talked about this before, the phishing emails that you get where you laugh at how bad the grammar is oh, yeah. and who could fall for this. And now... So I've got a theory on bad grammar is going to eventually be the way you need to make. <laughs> because <laughs> people are so shit at like grammar at this point. These kids that are coming out of school just suck. Because what are they used to doing? Like texting the worst grammar possible. So if you get it all perfect, they're gonna be like, hold on now. So we're gonna start getting like phishing emails that are like your antivirus is looking a little sus. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes. It's gonna use the slang and stuff. Exactly. So and poor spelling and no grammatical. I like, shouldn't run tell on the story, but I, I you got Fished. No, no, I didn't get fished, but I did attend a one-hour training yeah. to help uh, people who are trying to teach millennials and the things that you can do to better engage with millennials, oh right? So, we, hey, I create training content. I right. want everybody yeah, to benefit from it. And yep. so, if I need to, if I need to say "sus," then I'll work that out, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll try not to. But, uh, but one of the things in there was they said that you should not use punctuation because it is intimidating. And so it, I'm right is what you're saying. That, that's literally what I said. And uh, so I, I did not walk away from that course feeling like I gained valuable information. Mm. But I could see I could see if you're talking about texts, because sometimes like if like I'm texting my mom and she sends a text and it ends with a period. She never does that. So automatically I'm like, oh, she's mad. Something's wrong. Right. And usually it's not. Usually yeah, but she's who using are you Siri engaging to like, with, right? As soon as, exactly. soon as, uh, as the boomer right. generation dies off. Well, that's just it. And like in, we, in we're here, on a ticking time bomb here. If I got like a Teams message from one of you guys or an email and it was properly punctuated, I wouldn't assume that you were mad. Uh, that's right. just professional. But it, so, this, so it's different, I would think, in providing training versus just like texting my mom. That's obviously a very different thing. You ever see that shirt that says uh, punctuation can kill? And uh, and it's got that sentence let's, of <laughs> let's eat, comma, grandma. Yeah. Versus <laughs> let's, let's eat, eat grandma. grandma. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it is fun to play with. Yeah. 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 So the danger does not stop at Worm GPT. We, we like to. We, we have learned. Yeah. We, so we, we are learned. smart. <laughs> so we've got uh, this next segment is, we have a new segment coming up in a little bit, but this next segment is an old favorite. <clears throat> oh! That's probably your best one. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. That makes me feel a lot better about myself. So this article comes to us from the Hacker News. Apple issues urgent patch for zero-day flaw targeting iOS, iPadOS, macOS, and Safari. But this is this is kind of a two-part thing, right? Because there was a patch that was issued. <laughs> yeah. There was. It, and, and now there's another patch. And now the there's patch. another one for the patch because they issued the patch and then they said, never mind, and then they issued another one. And I know because I got it like a few days ago. So which patch should I be using? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> So we, uh, a few months ago, I, I think it was back in January or February, it was early in the year, uh, we highlighted Apple's first use of their new rapid security response protocol, where when there's an emergency fix that they need to push out, that they can push that patch out to every Mac, every iPhone, every iPad, without any confirmation from the user. What's the Star Wars order? Oh, or whatever, order, 66. Yeah, order 66. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, uh, kind of like that. Yeah, yeah except the stormtroopers don't <laughs> Less shoot Less death. Uh, or clone troopers. I don't yeah, know. they Is were there clones. a difference? No. All right. So uh, so either way, uh, we called it out because at the time, like Daniel, you said, it, it, it's, it's not necessarily nefarious, but it does make you question, do I actually own this device in front of me when this company can come and change the device without even talking to me about it? Mm. And so we we had that discussion, and it is what it is. Apple's going to do what they do. Fast forward to today, and it's almost comical because there was a problem. There was a drive-by exploit. That's bad. So you're in Safari, you browse to a website, and it can execute code, and, and off you go. It's it's, it's a bad do people one. People use Safari. Uh, apparently, somebody. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess on the on the iPhone and iPad, you're forced to use Safari, even That's when you use the default really? browser. Well, even when you use a third-party browser, it still has to use the Safari engine like, on the back end. Yeah, the web actually. Side. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. True story. So um, on on Mac OS, you can still use other browsers, but on iPhone and iPad, it's a sham. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's accurate enough. Yeah. Um, so the point is, I'll enjoy the libel suit. <laughs> there was a there was an issue, and so Apple rushed out a fix. Now, personally, I think this fix was perfect, but a lot of people didn't because once this fix applied, you could not get to uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Zoom. Oh yeah, no, this is a good fix. That's what I thought. <laughs> uh, but apparently, some people were upset about that, and so Apple used their rapid security response to remove the fix that they just pushed out. So they. They pushed a fix, changed your computer, broke something, and then pulled it back. And they could do all of that without you knowing, except for a little while, you couldn't get to Facebook. Uh, so obviously, I did not notice this happened. So it was a net positive, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It fixed more fixes than we thought it was going to fix, man. <laughs> Remember the old days when if you tried to go to a website and it wouldn't work, you were like, oh, the internet's down, or I got to go reboot my router, or it was something that you caused, or I can't believe that server is down well, now you've got this whole extra thing in the mix of maybe my OS vendor is making a change they haven't fully tested yet. <laughs> uh, and and not like Billy Bob's OS. This is Apple, one of the largest OS manufacturers in the world, like making a, a change like this. It, it really makes me kind of question that process. Yeah, it's really interesting to how their update process works with the whole idea that once they give you an official update, there is no going back. Which is apparently why they used this rapid security response update because that's not as permanent, and or there's like some there's a difference in that as far as like yes I believe that's not as permanent as an official update and therefore if you don't like what they did there is a there is a, a walk back procedure if you need to and that's what people were doing for this because we're like oh, I can't get a Facebook I need to get on there and yell at somebody over their political views because. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of elderly people that were super pissed at this because they all use iPhones, <laughs> right? Am yeah. I right or am I right? Yeah. You got to admit, like the iPhone user base has got to be somewhere north of 60. <laughs> it's unusual because the uh, Android does a much better job. Have you ever put an Android into like the large font mode? No, where It's I easier not. to read. Yeah, it, no. It's better than Apple's. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's strange. But, um, you know, they, they rolled this out. They pulled it back. They fixed the problem, then they rolled it out again the next day. Right. So you know, within 24 hours, they had turned it around. But uh, it just does bring a little extra attention to this thing that people are already talking about. I would about. love to see the uh, the profits graph on Facebook and <laughs> see if it took a sharp decline. 
Well, it is still Safari. It is still <laughs> Safari, right? So, so not only are the is the user base above sixty, but there's only sixty people <laughs> using it. Yeah, but uh, you know, I do have to remember, like in the business world, we're not typically using iPhones and iPads as right. our primary system, right? We use laptops and Correct. things with full full operating systems. But when they released the Black Friday sales numbers. For the last several years, there have been more purchases made from mobile devices than really? from from traditional, traditional devices. Yeah. So I I wouldn't be surprised if, if Facebook did see like an ad revenue dip or whatever during that time, depending on how long it was. Yeah. Well, yeah. Plus, I mean, yeah. even if you're not using like I obviously don't use my phone primarily for work stuff. It's usually it's my laptop and things. But if somebody did, ha I mean, somebody could have Microsoft Teams and things like that installed on their phone, and so they're mm -hmm. still using it for work, even if it's not their primary. Pro yeah. Primary work device, and yeah. the emphasis on the wrong syllable. But <laughs> they're still, they still could be using it and have, yeah, primary. Uh, they still could have, I guess, sensitive information. I mean, we've talked about this, where like it's it's still definitely very much a concern, I would think, having like a... Like oh, a no, yeah, you want the update. Like, the update good. Yeah. Up yeah. Update good. I, yeah. I think, you know, Apple should get a gold star for trying to react fast to situations like these. Yeah. There's other vendors who don't do that. And I, you know, I mentioned Android, yeah. where it might be years before they push an update for an exploit like get, this. Listen, we'll get to it. And, and it's a web browser problem, but you have to update the entire operating system. I said we're on it, Tom. <laughs> so they, they get a gold star, and I'm sure they're evolving their process of, all right, how do we test our fixes before we roll them out and so on? Yeah. It was a real quick, the, the secondary one that they issued, the, I, think, I think it was a C, the C was what it ended in. It was very quick. I went to install it. What was it interesting, what, what caused it to break was... So when you when you started you know you fire up Safari or if you're using another browser and it's still working with the WebKit, what ends up happening is your user agent gets told right when you pass along hey I want this website I want to go to Facebook, right you go Facebook.com and that request gets shoved over to Facebook. Well, it's got a little header on there. It says user agent, and in that user agent string it says this is a you know Apple WebKit Safari Gecko what you know not Gecko but um a Safari or Firefox or whatever the case is. And that Safari was getting an, an appended, like, uh, what is it, like curve bracket, curve bra uh, is it bracket curly, or brace? Uh, the curly parentheses. Okay. Using the parentheses. And inside the parentheses was the letter A. And that was making Facebook go like, what in the actual hell is going on here? Huh. And it was freaking it out, and that's why it wasn't working. <clears throat> Honestly, if you were in like an IT shop and you, for whatever reason, needed to business-wise get in to Facebook... And that was causing you a problem. You could just throw like we're going to proxy everything and yeah, like change that so that that does not happen. And you just slap that a right off the end of it, and you could go right fine. But because most people that are sixty years old don't know how to do that, yeah. <laughs> right? They were like, "Oh no, we got to do, we got to change this, we got to fix it." You're but, saying not everybody knows how to slap the a right off of it. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds <laughs> dirty when you it's say a that. Big old a, it's <laughs> a big old a you got there. We'll slap that a. <laughs> Uh, before yeah. we before we have HR coming yeah. in, I'm gonna yeah. go ahead and move hey, on. Is that Philip? He is screaming <laughs> mad. <laughs> we'll, we'll go ahead and move on. This is the the new segment that I mentioned that I'm sure you've been waiting for with bated breath: pork chop sandwiches. Pork chop sandwiches. Pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> it's so good. It just keeps going. <laughs> I'm sure I butchered the delivery of that. But yes, pork chop sandwiches, new segment here on Technado. Uh, this article comes to us from Ars Technica, how a cloud flaw gave Chinese spies a key, a key to Microsoft's kingdom. So there's been a lot over the last week <laughs> involving Microsoft and Chinese spies and hackers. I haven't, and heard. And <laughs> I haven't heard. It was my understanding that everyone had heard. So we, we actually had like several articles that we could have pulled from to, to talk about this. Is this like an over, like every article that I've seen, is it, this, is it stemming from the same issue or are these separate issues that have been cropping up? All right, let me let me address this through the relevance of our own podcast. Uh, when it's big enough for us to introduce an entirely new segment, it defines yes. a whole new category <laughs> yes. of screw-ups. We are through the looking glass here, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we have, we've been using uh, Who's Been Pwned. I don't know. Yeah, who, who got pwned? Years yeah. now, who got pwned? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> have I have I been pwned? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so who, who got pwned? Because every week there's at least one company, usually multiple, that have been hacked, breached, got ransomware, data leak, something like that, and we report on it. But every now and then, it's a catastrophe of such a grand scale that who got pwned doesn't even seem appropriate. Right. And so we had to introduce a new segment to really capture the dumpster fire level here of like how bad something can it's be. It's like and a supernova inside of a dumster. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like the, the solar winds breach. Yeah. That could have been a great pork chop sandwiches. Yes. Because right. that 
Move it. One <laughs> breach led to a number of other breaches and some really important government agencies were compromised as a result. Well, that's what's happening here. And there's just the right amount of mystery and intrigue behind this one that we're going to be talking about this one for years. You know, uh, if you go to most IT people and you say, have you heard about CVE, blah, blah, they don't know what you're talking about. But if you say, do you remember Stuxnet? Mm. Most of them do, right? Stuxnet was big. Like that that virus was able to take down a air-gapped nuclear reactor. Like, I mean, that or centrifuges at least. Like, yeah. It is a big deal. This one will be talked about. Yeah. Uh, somehow, nobody knows how, somehow Chinese hackers were able to gain access to one of the digital signing certificates that Microsoft uses for cloud-based email. <laughs> I love how you kind of hand-waved that sentence. Somehow, somehow, these Chinese hackers, you know, and they <laughs> yeah. just grabbed, you know, this this signing certificate. It happens, yeah. you know. And, <laughs> you know the, the quote from Microsoft, and they're, they're being transparent about how little they know <laughs> because they said, and this is the quote, the method by which the actor acquired the key is a matter of ongoing investigation. In other words, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know how they got it. <laughs> but they did get it. And once they had that signing key, they were able to forge access tokens. Access tokens that said, hey, I want to access Daniel Lowry's mailbox, and I'm already logged in, so you don't have to ask me for MFA or anything. What's even more fun about that was the signing key they had was customer level, and they were able through another flaw to go the enterprise route and turn it into an enterprise signing key. Yeah. And that's where we had critical mass. <laughs> And so they they targeted 25 different organizations through Microsoft services to be able to basically have access to their email. And, you know, sometimes you hear about such and such hospital or such and such bank, and you're like, I've never heard of them. Who cares? Well, these were little organizations like the United States State Department yeah. <laughs> and uh, and a couple uh, yeah, of other... Yeah, Department of Commerce, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're kind of important. They're a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, congressional member, like... Um, AIDS, congressional AIDS, I think, uh, or at least one, uh, got got their email pwned. It's a big deal, right? I mean, they, yeah. they, this is allegedly state-sponsored actors. They're attributing this to Storm 0558 um, that targeted governmental agencies and other organizations to gain access to their email. Uh, they haven't really said how far it's gone beyond that, like what they did with that access. At a minimum, they've accessed the mailbox. Because, Don, we're in stage one of, you know, admit your guilt, which is don't admit your guilt. Yeah. Right? Like, I deny, we, deny. We know how this playbook goes. Just pull it out. It's not too dusty at this point. Right? And go, okay, so tell everyone it's not as bad as you think it is. And then next week we tell everybody how how bad it could be but probably not that bad. And then a month later, we tell everybody how bad it really was, and yeah. it was that bad. Now, let me circle back to something I said in, I don't know, some point in this episode, it's all blurring together, uh, <laughs> where I mentioned like cloud outages, Yeah. right? And I said, well, I don't have to outsource my cloud outage. I can have my own outage here. You really got to stop drinking before the show. Right? I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so in this case, like, a data breach. I don't need to outsource my data breach. I can have my own. It's pretty cheap to do. But the sophistication in an attack like this, where Microsoft still hasn't figured out exactly how they got in, there's no way I could have stopped that. No. And in this scenario, if I have outsourced this to Microsoft and the breach happens there, as an IT professional, I can say, look, I mean, it's, it's with Microsoft. It's in the best hands that it could be, and, and this breach still happened. I'm, I'm not going to get fired for that, probably. Uh, <laughs> we can keep hoping. It does make you think that, like, and I think they, they do this, which is if you're something like a government entity or some super critical organization, that they should be keeping those things, like, separate with their own kind of, like, yes, it's still the cloud, and Microsoft is still running it. But you would think that they would have like a crack team that that's all they do. Like they are the best of the best. They're like Delta Force or, you know, Navy SEAL Team 6 of IT personnel. That that's their job is to protect the U.S. assets that are in the cloud. And eh, apparently that's not how it goes. You get to share it with Bob's used tires and, <laughs> you yeah. know, that kind of yeah. stuff. And uh, therefore we have this kind of thing happening here. Now, uh not to distract too much from this, but Microsoft is constantly under attack, right? Yeah, I mean, it's course. just a constant thing. Yeah. Um, there is another attack going on right now where a, uh, a another cybercrime group, this one allegedly Russian, um, has been has come up with a, a zero day for Microsoft Office, and they have been targeting NATO and and any of the governmental agencies that are are going to a NATO conference, mm. and 
the name of the Russian cybercrime group is Romcom. Oh yeah, Romcom. Yeah. Uh, and I I don't know who comes up with these names exactly, but when you hear <laughs> Happy Bear, Silly Cat, yeah, it's Rom-com. whoever discovers it. Can they Which give is them why names you get all the sound stuff. ominous? Yeah. So <laughs> I actually talked to one of the researchers that, that has named a few uh, groups, and one was called Camaro Dragon. I thought that was just the bitchinest name ever, <laughs> right? And I I put that in my like little talk about it, and I was like, and the dude reached out and he was like, thank you for saying that you liked this. I got a ton of flack over it. I'm like, why? It's not as dumb as Fancy Bear, right? I mean, come on. This is awesome because all I can picture is – you know, dragon inside of a like a '68 Camaro with his hair on fire, doing 9,000 miles an hour. I'm like, hell yes, that is super cool. I want that on the side of my van, right? Yeah. So I I want people to know the threat is real. Yeah. Like, you know, you've yeah. got to watch out for this stuff. Fancy Bear is coming yeah. for you. Like that. That's oh, not work. Fancy Bear like after I'm, us. I'm a little bit on the other end of the spectrum as far as the naming convention goes. I agree, that's dumb. I agree, yeah. Fancy Bear is a dumb name. Just like Charming Kitten and whatever else is out there. Right. I was like, why would you? Why would you call it that? However. I'm more on the side of like, why would you not give it the worst name possible? Like, like I think like, I've said this before, Diaper Man. Yeah, nuclear douchebag. Why is that not the like, name? Yeah, oh, oh, new new cyber threat, Garbage Boy. Like, why would you not give <laughs> yeah. it something stupid? To, yeah. I mean, not that it's going to do much to discourage, right. but That's maybe, true. maybe a little, yeah. a, a little if, shame. If everyone as, in the world knew you as, as nuclear douchebag or Garbage Boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it might add a little bit of shame, at least, yeah. rather than, because Camaro Dragon is a cool name. Camaro Dragon if, you know, is a cool maybe name. Maybe you you go to jail, so but homeboy you're told me that, that Camaro Dragon was like controversial in some way. I was like, "How is that even?" He's like, "Yeah, people were they were kicking back on this, hmm. and ultimately we got it to go through." And I'm like, "Okay, uh, you know, sometimes words have historical meaning that we don't know until you really so dig into it. Something uh, bad, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I won't go into it here, but Cadillac. Okay. Uh, if you dig into the history of of, of Cadillac of that word, okay. yeah, there's like interesting, some, yeah. So Maybe it's that. I, I Maybe it's that. Who knows? Camaro Dragon is pretty cool. It's pretty damn cool. Man. <laughs> we need the little the rainbow animation. The more yeah. you know. Yeah. The more All right. Know. So speaking of the more you know, let's turn this into some kind of educational moment here. Uh, you <laughs> might break be, tradition now, Don. <laughs> <laughs> you might be asking yourself, why do I care about what's going on here? And the the answer is, if you leverage Microsoft services like Microsoft 365 or so on. If you were one of the affected people, the odds are you aren't, uh, but they would have already contacted you. They have been in contact with groups that have been affected. The certificate that was used to forge these these signatures, it's not really forging because they had the actual certificate to do it. Uh, That's been invalidated and those tokens have all been expired. So if you were affected, you should already know about it. If you weren't affected, they've already kind of stopped the leak. Uh, and so you're in good Which shape. Which they're pretty sure of because they're seeing that the that group is using different tactics now. Yep. So. Yep. So uh, so that's good. And Microsoft did it for you, so yeah. you don't have to do it yourself. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. There was still that whole thing that if you did get breached, it's I mean it's complete. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're so done. there is that, and it was for like what about a month? It wasn't yeah. like they had yeah. it for like a day. And, and Microsoft was like, oh, bull crap. You know, there's no, no thank you. It was like a, a solid month they had access to your stuff. That just reminded me of the uh, um, controversy around yeah. this, oh. which is they were able to detect the the breach. Yeah. The, you know, one of the indicators of compromise was they were able to detect it thanks to some advanced security features that Microsoft makes available to people with an oh, E5 yes, license. That's right. Right. So when you sign up for Microsoft 365, there's different license levels. And here's you know, where Microsoft's about to lose some customers. There's like the, <laughs> the E1 where you just get webmail and that's it. And then there's others where you get Microsoft Office web apps, but not desktop apps and so on. And the most expensive one is the E5 where you get access to everything, including advanced security features that would have detected this particular exploit. So in other words, if you pay Microsoft more money... They'll help you stay secure, and, and, and we don't Just mean like, like what you were saying earlier. Well, Give me two hundred dollars. <laughs> we <laughs> don't mean like a little bit more money. We mean a lot of bit more money. Okay, so not two hundred dollars more than that. <laughs> so still. think about your user base, right? Yeah. So it's an E three license is thirty six dollars per month, and per, an E five per company per user. No, 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 no. The E three is like per organization. It's the E five that's per user. The Wait, I'm, I'm pretty sure the E3 is X amount of dollars per month per org to get that level of support. 
once you go to E5, it's X amount of dollars per month per user per org. Okay. So as as the person who who pays the yeah. bills for this organization, <laughs> am I off on this? I, I think you're off on this. Okay, because yeah. I read an article that was like <laughs> the disparagement is like massive to oh, go to E5. No, no, I know what you're saying. I, I, I see okay. what it means. All right, so if you're doing an E3 and you're paying yeah. 36 bucks per user per okay. month or whatever, uh, if you want the advanced security features, there is right. a organizational fee you can pay just to add that feature. Gotcha. Or you can shift your people over to E5s. Now, let, let's say you have a thousand users, right? Yeah. A thousand users at thirty-six bucks per user. That's thirty-six thousand dollars per month. That's a lot, right? That's, that's a bit of money. All right. If you go to an E five, now it's fifty-seven thousand dollars per month. <sighs> so a little bit more money, yeah, right? A little bit. Almost approaching double, right? Right. It, it, it's it's a lot. And so what people are saying is, wait a minute. <laughs> You're you're telling me I got to pay more to be secure on your system? Right. I, I thought security was kind of your thing. Right. And it turns out some security is kind of their thing for this price. As long as you got the right kind of cash. And so Sophie is right that it's a, gee, that's a nice looking mailbox you got there. <laughs> I hate to be a dang shame. <laughs> Full circle moment. Wow. You predicted what we were going to talk about. Yeah, it's Almost. fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> It really. I, mean, I guess instead of the just give me two hundred dollars, it's give me fifty seven thousand dollars every month. And, yes, and you'll be protected. Man, you're good. What are you worried about at that point, man? What's a, what's what's twenty some odd thousand dollars extra? Well, now if you're if you're curious what we do, I'll share what we do. Um, Hit me. I probably shouldn't, but I will. <laughs> um, which is most of our users do have an E three, right? Yeah. So, like Daniel, you're yeah. likely on an E three. Uh, but we take our people that are in the executive leadership team mm. and people that are in finance, and the they're E5s. the ones who get E fives. And anybody who's an admin, so like a lot of the IT staff yeah. will be E fives. So, well, I don't even use my email, so we'll see. <laughs> Why do we even pay for that? So we, we take basically sensitive people or people that are likely to be targeted by a phishing attempt, mm -hmm. uh, and those we put on E fives to get that extra protection. The rest of the people that are lower risk, we put on E threes. And uh, and if they get breached, we just fire them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last part's not true. But. Hey, I know we didn't give you the security necessary, but this is kind of your fault, Mister Linky Clicker. <laughs> yeah. So you can get creative with it, but it has created some controversy. If they've got the tools, why not give them to them? I, I know we should probably save this for next week when maybe this will be a foreshadow. But did you hear about the? So a country, I forget which name it is, but it ends with .ml. Right. Oh yeah, Malaysia. Right? Yep. Right. They have they receive on average hundreds of thousands of emails to dot mil addresses per year, and they're just cool enough to go, yeah, I'm just we don't need that. It's not for us. But they are like, their ownership of the dot ml is expiring, and they are letting it go. And now anybody's going to be able to buy that and receive, and because the stupid people. <laughs> Cannot stop sending to .ml instead of .mil, which yep. is the United States military. Yeah. If you're not familiar with it, in the United States, the the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, right. I don't think the Coast Guard uses it, do they? I don't know. Uh, even though they, they are part of our military, are, but yeah. I don't think they use .mil. But either way, they, they have addresses that end in .mil, not .mil.us or whatever, yeah. just .mil. And, and it's because that was how it was created way back in the DARPANET days. And so if you do a, a typo mistake, it goes off to the wrong place. Now, if it's military email, that email shouldn't contain secrets or anything anyway. Which but it does. Sometimes it does. Uh, there was an added level of, of conspiracy on this one. I know we don't want to go too far into it, but where the registrar that controls .miller that will take, or .ml that will yeah. take ownership of it is actually controlled by Russia, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it so is. So there's a whole extra... Tell me we're not living in really fun <laughs> I was going to say, the life that <laughs> but, came into your eyes But this just goes that. to show you, like, people will not stop clicking links in their emails. They will not stop answering SMSs that came from an unsolicited area. They will not stop putting dot m they're literally have spent millions of dollars trying to train the people that are in the highest levels of the u.s government to stop sending to dot ml yeah. literally they're making them go to training sessions on <laughs> it's dot mil bro so put mil no you did it wrong again no no mil <laughs> like military no see that's dot ml wrong again <laughs> <laughs> like, Don, you've been a trainer. I've yeah, been a trainer. Yeah. You stand behind these people going, no, no, that's, uh, it's just like you see on the board. You're like you're doing it on purpose. Just, can you, what are you doing? So, Why are you doing this? <laughs> the, 
the door to my office. Actually, the, the, the door right there right. Uh, here in the studio. This is, this is my office. Uh, the door, it's the literally the only door in the entire building that you push instead of slide. Most of the doors slide open, open and close. Right. This one you push. I don't know why. It j- Actually, I guess I do know why. Yeah, because there's a, a wall there. right can't, there. Yeah. yeah, it just can't slide. But uh, it's the only one that's different. And so all day long, I get to see people try and slide it. And then try and pull it, and then it's like plugging in a USB cable. Yeah, right. It's yeah. weird because it has like a, it has a pull handle on it. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah it's got right. a pull handle on the wrong side. Right. It's a weird door. Just take that off, put a push bar. But problem solved. I've been in this office for years and years. Yeah, and, and it's we've still, been in this office for years and hey, years. I get it wrong from time to time. <laughs> so. Okay, Don. So we're going to take you to remediation training. <laughs> That's right. And you, you push the door. No, no. I yep. see what you're doing there, but no. Uh-huh. Push. <laughs> push <laughs> you see you're pulling again yeah. I love that we are giving this exclusive insider information yeah. what it's like inside these inside these walls here. yeah you get to see what it's like on a day-to-day institutional basis. knowledge it's like you're with us we it's really great. wandered yeah we, really, we did it was a good well, wander. We'll go ahead and bring it back. Uh, I did want to mention that Technado is sponsored by ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. So if you're listening from the Technado website, you can look for that sponsored by button. And if you click that, it will take you to the IT Pro website. That's what we do during our day jobs. I think Don mentioned it earlier. So if you want to support the podcast, you can check out those courses and use the promo code Technado30 for a discount on that IT Pro membership. You can also check out ACI Learning's uh, live webinars and live on social events. We've got one coming up the day this episode is released. It'll be with Chris Ward and Hernan Murdoch. That's on ChatGPT in a world of digital trust and that is just an interesting title if I've ever heard one. So you'll want to tune into that. That's July 20th, Thursday at 2 p.m. And of course, Black Hat is coming up. That's going to be happening here in August, which is coming up pretty quickly. And I just found out I will be there. So I'm very mm. excited. It's going to be my first conference with the company. And I'm very excited to see everybody. So if you're going to be going, come find me because it's going to be a fun time. If you're going to be in, I guess it's in Vegas at that time. Uh, as you can tell, I've, I've not really been to Vegas. It's, it's always in Vegas. Be, yeah. it's, always, it's always Is it Vegas. really? That's yeah. every year it's in Vegas. Yeah, I every don't know anything. Yep. I don't know nothing. I'm going to learn a lot this year. But I think that's going to do it for me. Is there anything that I'm forgetting? Anything you wanted to mention? Word from our sponsors. God help us. Yeah. <laughs> the, light, the light that entered your eyes five minutes ago is gone. Yeah. Back to dead. Okay. Well, then we'll go ahead and end it there on a happy note. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Technado. We'll see you next time.